0: You may have noticed we're going through some changes here. We're still dedicated to B2B marketing, of course, but um, we're excited to announce that our uh, our rebrand to the If You Market podcast is in now, and uh, we're constantly looking at ways to improve the show, so we're also going to be adding some short product highlight segments in the in the near future here, so stay tuned for those. Um, We haven't worked out all the details, but the general idea on this is that um, they're going to be designed to expose you to companies in the MarTech space and help answer questions you might have, um, figure out what uh, you should be considering, shouldn't be considering, that kind of stuff. So anyway, more to come on that, but uh, thanks for listening to the show. And now on with the show. Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and joining us today will be Steve Zaker, like Baker, right Steve? You got it. So, Steven is the CEO of Solo Segment. He'll be telling us today why if you market, they will come. Um, Like I said, he's the CEO of Solo Segment. He spent many years before that at IBM, and then uh, from there went into independent consulting, and now is running the show over at Solo Segment. Ah, uh, Steve. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: Excellent. So, site search is going to be our subject today. Something I'm really interested in because I'm not very experienced in it. I've we've all seen the little search, you know, little search box there at the top of websites, but we probably haven't thought much of it except for when we're trying to find something that we can't on a site. Indeed. So, before we really jump into site search, though, can you um, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Kind of your pathway into B two B marketing and, and into solo segment there.
1: Yeah, you bet. So uh, like most B2B marketers, I'm actually a finance guy by trade, right? So so I'm kind of an accidental marketer from that perspective. Uh, But uh, as you suggested, uh, I've spent a lot of time in the technical business and I made the leap very early in my career from the finance world to the technical world, uh, mostly because I was very good at seeing the intersection of business and technology and helping technologists make the leap to really understand business context, context and vice versa. And of course, during years uh, with IBM, I did a lot of work with marketing professionals. And whether it was looking at MarTech as it was evolving and becoming more important for marketing staff within the company, or even working on a lot of the technologies that uh, enable customers to come to IBM's websites uh, and be effective, one of the things that was really uh, a bit of a black hole was site search. And, you know, again, just from an orientation perspective, when we talk about search, we're not talking about Google, right? We're talking about what happens on a company's website. And so I spent many years uh, on and off working with marketing professionals, working with search professionals and kind of coming out of IBM, you know, really discovered that there is there continues to be this gap uh, where, Um, marketing professionals generally understand the value of site search, but it's generally owned within a company by the IT guys and trying to make sure that we have ways of understanding um, the the importance and the effectiveness and the value of site search to the business and then aligning everybody through measurements, through technologies that help improve site search kind of became our reason for being. And that's really what solo segment is all about, uh, is helping marketing professionals really harvest the value, unlock the value uh, that is trapped in site search today because it is likely the most neglected asset on a company's website.
0: Yeah, I think if you were do a um, if you were do a study of marketers and, and different subjects, every subject we've covered on the podcast here, this is the one that um, you know throw myself under the bus that I know the very least about. I had to I had to go and Google it just to make sure I, I didn't go way off path while talking to you here because it, sure. I yeah, it's definitely an, an overlooked area um, in in B two B marketing. So you uh. You mentioned your company there, Solo Segment. You said a little bit about what you guys do. Can you tell us more about Solo Segment as well, just so kind of everybody knows the context that you're coming from within yeah, is site bet. search? Your guys' central is that what you do, or is that part of what you do?
1: Uh, it's part of what we do. It's it's a it's a large part of why we uh, came into being. So Solo Segment started as an analytics company, and it was that specific focus about site search. Um, you know, understanding what's going on within a company's uh, website search is very, very difficult because today the tools that are available are largely, you know, marketing tools, things like Google Analytics and the measurements that Google Analytics has in it that really focus are focused on the marketing experience or the ger- marketing journeys that occur in websites doesn't really fit effectively in a site search model when you're trying to really understand are people successful when they're using site search. and so they traditional measures like bounce rate and time on page are applied to a search engine results page, but at the end of the day, it's not really what you're concerned with. And so we, we figured out that what really your users are concerned with your customers, your prospects are concerned with is success. And so we developed a measurement methodology that really allows a company to assess are their visitors, are their prospects, are their customers, successful when uh when they search and so that's a standard analytics package like you know many others that you see out there but we are beginning to extend beyond that because we realize that pointing at problems eh, that can be helpful but it's not ideal right what you really want is okay well tell me what i should do how i should fix this you know what's the next step to be to right be, they have, have know, the commercial out
0: there right now that where the where the guys always say oh no no i'm just the guy that tells you you have bugs i don't you know, I don't actually come in and exterminate them for you. Exactly. Uh, So, uh, Identify it and address it kind of.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's where we're going. And so our first step in that is automation. So we've got a couple of product features that now use the same data that we're collecting to assess and evaluate search success and beginning to apply that in ways that will have some automatic improvements. One of the ways is, uh, uh, a type ahead search feature that instead of being very traditional, looking at common terms or recent terms or popular terms, like most type ahead features uh, uh, use, it uses actual su- success metrics to present terms that will lead to more successful outcomes. So it's those. And is types that within of
0: the, within their specific site? Are they programming it for? Yeah. Or is that is it still a, nice? Nice. So for their yes, product base, you know, you you're bet. typing in a, starting to type something that normally would give you you, know, you type it into Google, you're going to get totally different autofill results. But within their site, they know it's the beginning of a product name or something like that. They can finish it off for their specific
1: products. That's exactly right. So it, it's customized for their products and customized for the success that their customers, their prospects are seeing. So automation is... You know, so we started with analytics. Automation is something we realize, realize has a lot of value to our customers because they're busy. Their people are busy. It's hard to really get a lot of focus on the levers and changing the levers, changing the content, changing what needs to be changed, usually to make uh, success uh, or search results more successful. So so automation is was kind of the second place uh, we went to focus. But, of course, where everybody's going today and certainly where we're going is, you know, search is a lot of data, right? Search, right. Uh, you know, if you look at just what the search terms are, there's some intent data there. If you look at what results come back and how people interact with those results, that's more data. And then if you look at the paths beyond search, right? They go to that first landing page and they begin to take a journey. That's even more data about the visitor. And once so you're not
0: just them, you're not just directing them, you're also collecting.
1: What yes. they're searching
0: for, kind of. Oh, yeah, you bet. Dangerous there, Stephen. Yeah, well, you bet. So, yeah, we've
1: been through our GDPR journey, and uh, and uh, you know, the good news is we uh, most of the data uh, that we collect is anonymous, um, and you know, like every website uh, or web service, you have to collect some you know, I'll put air quotes around personal data. And certainly right. the e- EU considers things like IP address as personal data. And you need that for just to make the thing function. Uh, but once once we're done, you know, collecting the data, we anonymize it. So we stay out of jail on all of the, you know, the personal data issues that are, are kind of coming up today. And we really anonymize uh, those journeys. But that data in and of itself is tremendously valuable. And of course, you know, over the past 18 to 24 months, the tools that allow you to analyze that data, specifically the machine learning tools, uh, have become a lot more powerful and a lot easier to use. And so once you have that volume of data, you can do, begin to do a lot of interesting things uh, with it, not just report on it, not just automate you know, some of the problem solving, but also begin to give marketers insight into, okay, what's really going on here and how can we make whatever journey a person's on uh, more effective?
0: Right. The Kind of the purpose of data is to make people, give people better experiences. Absolutely. It's, it's not to uh, manipulate or something like that. It's really to give people better experiences. I feel like as we talk more, I might get angry because I have my experience in site search. And whenever I go to it, it's because I need to find something specific on a website and it, I can't easily find it. And I rarely go to it because I, maybe early on in, in its life I tried it a couple of times. It didn't work well. It's like the uh, you know when you have to say somebody's name into a an, into a phone system. Every time I try to use it, I feel like I just I never find what I want. Sure. And sure. it makes me angry. And I, and I guess. If you guys have solved that problem if you can help people do a better job of, of the site search so people like me and everybody else out there who's tried site search doesn't get angry that would be that would be an awesome thing to fix and then for all of our listeners if they can do that on their sites the last thing you want is to pay all that money to drive all that traffic to your website and you need to convert these people and some large percentage of them are are getting angry instead of being converted.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and that's a huge problem, right? First of all, that learned behavior, right? We've all learned how bad site search is. And so therefore we all go to Google, but I think you hit on a very important point. You know, as a marketing professional, uh, when you say the word search, when I say the word search searches uh, to, to any of my prospects, even to my customers, you know, the default the setting in their brain is to think about uh, okay, we're talking about Google, we're talking about organic search and paid search. We're talking about all those top of funnel activities. And you're exactly right. Companies spend billions of dollars a year. It's a big industry, right? Ask Google, ask Facebook, but spend a bill- billions of dollars a year on that top of funnel activity, getting people to the site, right? Getting people to the right landing page. Right.
0: Half the time I'm looking for what to buy. I'm one click away from buying. Oh, And instead I get infuriated and now I hate that brand because I had a bad experience on their side. Yeah,
1: yeah, you bet. And and you know, in an ideal world, if you're a simple B2C product or a simple maybe B2B product, ideally, yeah, there is that kind of one click. I land on the product page, I land on the offering page, I land on whatever page that there is a call to action on, and I click and I'm done, right? And now the marketer has, you know, gone from you know, a marketing activity directly to a sale, right? So for a simple right. product or, you know, maybe uh, very quickly and rapidly gone from a marketing qualified lead to a sales qualified lead if it's a more complex product. So in an ideal world, that top of funnel goes to the bottom of the funnel really quickly. Yeah. But the reality is that's not how humans work, right? Humans well, and frequently goes to another
0: website. Well, I can't find it here. I guess I better go to who else has whatever it is I need, and you've lost them. Like if they're doing a specific search on your site and they're not finding what they want, even if I know it's there, I say, okay, Home Depot doesn't have this. Let me check Lowe's site. Yeah, you just just lost me uh, because I couldn't find what I know is there. I've seen it in your store, but I can't find it on your site. And so oh, you I get bet. frustrated, you leave. So it sounds like there's a specific audience for site search. I mean, there's some companies that it's probably don't even really need it on their site. It's a very simple site. And then there's other companies. It sounds like that really, this is a big part of, of the, of their site. Can you speak yeah. to that a little bit, kind of who, who this is for and everybody that's left out keep listening anyway, you'll learn something. <laughs> <Sure> <laughs> thing.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting about that. So we had a, uh, Kind of a point of view coming in, and when we started building the products, that was you know, the B2C world, the real commerce driven transactional world, wasn't our sweet spot, and uh, and it was really the large enterprise, B2B, high consideration, long sales cycle, high consideration sort of processes that were, were our sweet spot because those are the folks who are going to be doing lots of searching, lots of investigating, etc. Right? Those visitors, those buyers, those prospects. And so it was our original hypothesis uh, that B2C wasn't in scope. So let me leave B2B, B2C out of scope for a second, but we're going to come back to that. So the original- Only briefly,
0: because okay. we're a B2B show, so I don't like to give them much
1: time. You bet. But but I think there are a lot of companies that bridge both worlds. They have kind of a transactional nature and a B2B nature. So these B2B companies who have some transactional business, but but they also have the high consideration. But um, But yeah, the real sweet spot we found is- you know, it's the companies north of $100 million with generally more complex buying cycles and, frankly, more complex product portfolios. So if you're right. a – and I'll use my alma mater, for example, IBM. If you are IBM, people are searching on your website. Um, and now they're, they're not doing – Uh, Relative to the total traffic, not a lot of searching, right? On a percentage basis, but the volume is huge. Right. Those are the those are really if you think about the companies that that are in our sweet spot, it is generally companies that are B two B, high consideration, and generally larger, more complex product portfolios. All that being said, we're having a tremendous. uh, You know, if you looked at my sales sheet for this week or my call sheet for this week, uh, you'd see we're talking to a lot of companies that are in that hundred to five hundred million range, kind of the mid tier companies. That really are spending a lot amount of money at the top of the funnel, and they, what they want to avoid is spending more money at the top of the funnel. Because something you said earlier is, you go back, right? You, you can't find what you're looking for, so you go back to Google. Well, just think about that yeah. from a marketing budget perspective, right? You yep. paid once to get the guy to come to your site. He didn't find what he wants, so he leaves, and now you're going to pay again to get him back to your site, right? So or, he might or do a-
0: he goes to a competitor.
1: Or, right. yeah, worse, that's where your competitors live. You got it, and now he's off to one yep. of your competitors.
0: And like I said, you got them all the way through the cycle, all the way to that point, and then lost them. And not because you weren't the best product or your salespeople didn't sell them well or, or any of those things, just because there, you know, somebody didn't dot an I and cross a T. That's the most painful. Like I talk to a lot of people that have found products like what you guys do, that the problem they solve is this one little spot where if somebody... Mishandles the ball, you lose everything you've done. And it's just some, it's a little technical thing like this where you've invested so much time and energy. And there could be, you know, it could be a small consumer purchase product on the line or a large enterprise software. And you've got this guy in the door, he's going to start moving forward, but you lose him over a technical thing, over something that's, you know, for you guys, easy. For us, you know, something we don't really understand, maybe, but something so easy to address and you're losing sales you know it, it's like you're you're bleeding out somewhere that you don't really you don't realize is there and it's so quick and easy to to address that that issue i guess i'd say i mean i say quick and easy i don't, I don't mean to talk a little about what you guys do but <laughs> it's very small compared to your whole sales pipeline absolutely um, where, yeah, where you're losing a significant leakage. percentage yeah. of people for no other reason than you sure. just didn't you know you have a blind spot to to clients falling through the cracks that's that's um a little bit crazy. I love it when I identify these. I I like to analogize it to, uh, I used to ride a motorcycle and I had fixed it up myself when I was in college and I didn't do a very good job. So I I was constantly finding things wrong with it. It it ran, but I was always finding things wrong with it. And I was happy every time I found something, uh, because the the bike ran. Okay. It was a little sputtery, but every time I found something, I was like, now it's going to run better. And I always thought, God, if I could just find all the little errors, all the little things i did wrong when i rebuilt the engine it would run so smooth and that's kind of i think what a lot of people's sales and marketing machines are like they have all these little these little blind spots where they don't know where something they're losing stuff you know they're losing part of the part of the machine they built for sales is just slipping through the cracks and you know guys like you you guys can come in and you can fix this site search and suddenly it just it's a boost to their sales it's a boost to their their whole pipeline that they had no idea they were losing
1: yeah, no, you bet. And and it's that leakage in the funnel, if you will, where where you really gain a lot of value. I mean, if you look at kind of our average uh, client who starts with us and, and is looking at their search success rates, generally search success rates are about 23, 24% kind of in that neighborhood on the average when we start working with a client. And if you think about what percentage of your traffic goes into site search, um, so there's that frustrating frustration factor, right? So some clients, it's a very small percentage, um, but some of our clients is 20, 30% of their traffic is using search. And, you know, only, you know, one in five of those people are, are being successful. So that could be up to five or 10% of the people who are coming to your website are using your search and being dissatisfied. And that's a, that's a pretty significant, uh, you know, if you talk about customer satisfaction or customer experience perspective, you know, that's a real lousy experience. The loss of
0: all the investment to get them to that point is is exactly. crazy when I see things. So I'm more excited. I'm less angry and more excited about site search. Now. <laughs> good. I'm wondering, you could probably look at companies and say, hey, if they have a campus with, you know, if you have two or more buildings in your campus, then you're probably a good candidate for site search. I mean, you talk about something like IBM, stuff like that. It, w- the, when you have your own campus, that's you need to focus on site search, I would think.
1: There you go. Absolutely um and and of course you know uh, I just want to touch briefly on b2c because i i know that this is the target of this discussion but you know what is surprising is how many sophisticated b2c companies and these are very large competitors folks who should be terrified of amazon they're also struggling to do this right because unlike a smaller uh, b2c company they generally disaggregate their their commerce engine, if you will. So they don't buy a package, catalog, commerce engine, et cetera. They generally buy a, a catalog capability and a search capability and then a checkout capability, right? They, right? they have very specialized technologies and they still have lousy search metrics. So even in the B2C world, folks who are, are working hard to compete with the Amazons of the world, uh, it, it is surprising how even there uh, folks struggle to do, uh, do search right.
0: Now, how many of the people you look at have have site search and just need to improve it versus don't have a site search on their site at all? I, mean, I see a lot of sites with no site search, and maybe that's they're trying to they're trying really hard to retain people to not have people bounce off their site, um, and maybe they're not even considering site search as oh, this is a big part of a solution instead of making it trying to make it navigatable through your site. People just need to be able to search for it.
1: Yeah, and I think that um, it, you know we do find here and there companies that don't have site search, although most of the ones who are kind of in our target market do. And certainly, uh, I'd rather not have to sell you on the idea that search is good before I uh, sell you on the idea that doing search well is good, right? So, yeah, so yeah. you know, you know, we're usually you know only targeting companies that are uh, have search, but we have seen a trend, uh, you know, in. it's basically a a user experience design kind of trend that if your product portfolio is simple enough that you really want the user experience to kind of intuitively lead people to the right conclusion. And so you do see websites that don't have search at all. Uh, And, and I think that uh, it's an interesting um, opportunity if, I mean, if you could do it well, I mean, I see. There's no reason to do it. More power to you. Uh, I think, though, that a majority of the companies will find that the complexity of their products, the complexity of their kind of go-to-market and the types of you know consumers that they approach, uh, it, you know, makes it difficult to live without site search. Uh, I mean, if if I knew ideally who you were when you came to my site. Right. And, you know, that might become more, much more difficult, uh, you know, in the near future. Uh, But if I knew who you were, so I knew you were a technology buyer. uh, I knew you were from a specific industry and I could serve you the right content in the right way. Yeah. Hey, maybe I could get away without having site search, but the reality is knowing that is tremendously difficult. So you do your best you do your best to present the right design, the right user experience. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, people are going to click on that search button or go back to Google because they're going to want that extra piece of information that you haven't been able to design into the system.
0: And it, it dawns on me, and I'm sorry, when I when I find, uh if, if, you know, anybody who listens to these podcasts regularly, you can probably tell the difference when I find a product that that I get excited about a little bit or not a product, but a topic um, that I get excited about. It sounds like I'm, I'm doing a uh, infomercial for it almost. Um, But it, so I'm not trying to sound like an infomercial for you guys, uh, but, or for site search in general, I guess it would be more likely. But um, it dawns on me that even if you have a well-designed site, it's silly not to also have a good site search function because some people, I never use, site search myself. Uh, I'm probably going to start using it a lot more now. Um, But I noticed people within our own organization using it sometimes and using it like within our CRM, there's a general search field. Like, why why would you search for something that way? There's all these search parameters you can use, but they would bring them right to where they wanted to go. And I I would imagine there's a certain portion of the population out there that that's their go-to thing. So you. yeah, yeah, it is. It a is. It's our default.
1: It's a default right. way of approaching the world these days. Yeah. Um, You've
0: got a super intuitive website, but some of the people coming there, they want to search a site search bar that they can search for something for because that's their way of doing things. It's like yeah. you know, different types of learners, different types. You have different types of searchers, I guess, and some have that. So even if your site is, if you spend a ton to make your site super intuitive and really smooth and they can almost always get where they want to go, except for why lose those people that can't. Um, Yeah,
1: But there's also a a, a kind of a flip of that metaphor. So if you rewind 15 years or so, you know, back when uh, search in general was only, you know, five or 10 years old. uh, So this is the, the early 2000s. There was a lot of discussion about what would it take for search to supplant navigation. And there's a whole lot of reasons that it couldn't at that time. Part of it was behavioral, right? We weren't trained searchers at that point. Oh, so you know, instead search- of having
0: a navigation bar, you would just have a search, one search thing, and you'd type like the Google thing on a, on a website. You and you type contact if you want to go to the contact page, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And we read, there a bank, uh, there's a bank, there's an investment bank uh, that has done exactly that. You load their website and all you get in the middle of the page is a search bar. Interesting. Now I'm not going to tell you who it is because it's a really lousy product. <laughs> they, they haven't they haven't implemented it well, and I, I don't want to I don't want to embarrass them. But I I really admire the boldness of that because we are searchers, right? I mean that's what Google gives you, right? Google gives you now we all type up in the address bar of our browser these days, but right. you know, Google gives you one bar and says, "Hey, tell me what you want to know. What is what is the question that you have? That if I answered it." Would make you happy. Would progress your experience, and that really is the promise of the search bar. And so we are all really well trained by Google to do that, and that's why you know we have as when, when we get to a website, we have the you know on one shoulder is our search uh, angel, which is saying you know search is the best way to go, right? Google taught you this, and of yeah. course the devil on the other sh- shoulder is but you've been disappointed by websites before. So I'm not going to use that. So yeah,
0: that's me, I'm, like, I'm, I'm yeah, I exactly. away from it. only trust Google. All the other search bars are, are not worth your time. So I was thinking this whole time, I'm thinking this site search stuff sounds great, but it's not, it doesn't really work for my company. That's a shame. Um, and then I realized when you talk about putting the one bar in the page, uh, it, it dawns on me, you know, that that's like an iPhone of a website almost. You're just saying, we're going to buy this all the way down. Um, My company's a data company, and people search for data all the time. I thought, oh, wow, rather than having a whole bunch of options, you could let people start just by putting in and generally what they want and program something for that. That would probably be a really convenient way to to let people at least get started in their search.
1: Yeah, we're working with one company that almost does exactly that. They're a standards uh, company. They... Uh, they have lots of documentation and, you know, they used to have this very complex user interface and our advice to them was, no, you're, you're just, this is really a search engine, right? This is not a product that people want. And so why not give them an experience that will just be a search engine? So they're, you know, it'll be they're under in development right now on their new experience, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, what comes out of that design. Uh, and But they really are a search engine at the end of the day because you know people just want to get to the one document that they know is the one answer to their question. Oh. So why not make it a box?
0: It isn't like you have to exactly nail it in that way either. At Google, you don't put in your search and they give you an answer. They give you pages and pages and pages of options then. Right. You're just narrowing it down and, and kind of ordering it by most likely uh, to be interested in. Um, sure. So... Great stuff. Um, I want to take a quick break here, but uh, after the break, we'll get a little more into site search. I want to kind of dig in with you to uh, maybe some tips, some things to do, some things not to do, some entry-level site search stuff people can do, some more advanced stuff um, that people can look to do, Um, all that kind of good stuff after the break. Uh, Thanks for being on here with us, Stephen, and we'll be right back in a minute. Did you know that 80% of successes are driven by mindset? Jamie Crosby helps forward-thinking companies of all sizes optimize their sales by teaching their people to develop and maintain a peak performance mindset. Give your team the mental tools they need to break through obsolete barriers, improve team dynamics, and generate the high-impact behaviors that propel companies forward year after year by going to jamiecrosby.com. All right. We're back from the break. You're listening to sky Cassidy here on the, if you market podcast, we've got, uh, Steven, uh, Zaker you on it. with us. We're talking about site search. That's a tough one for me. Yeah, there you go. You nailed it. Second time <laughs> talking about site search or on site search, the, the search bar within websites for getting people where they want to go. Um, we've covered a lot already, a lot more to get to still here. We'll try to keep this, uh, keep this short enough for everyone for one commute or however you listen. But, um, Stephen, getting back into this, one of, the, one of the notes I had scrawled down here, I guess, before we get to, to other subject was geolocation. Does that come into play with site search? Is it, is it kind of like the customizing of website um, experience for people? Is any of that involved? Do you, do you look at where people are coming from and cater yeah. the site search to that?
1: Yeah, so we don't currently do that mostly because our customers don't need that. Um, so as that makes I said, sense. It really, yeah, right. You know, you go where your customers are, right? Uh, but, but you know, if if we were to, we are talking to a number of large B2C companies. I think that gets a whole lot more important, right? When you are right. you have to deliver a physical good somewhere, that's really, really important. A lot of our customers are, uh, if they are delivering a physical good, it's a large piece of technology that has to go on a truck. And so, you know, that all that, Geo stuff, you know, generally gets bottom of the funnel during the the sales process, gets sorted out. So, so again, a lot of our customers are in that, either in the services business, um, and I I would say a majority of our customers have services, sorts of businesses, uh, or are in, you know, kind of that high consideration, long product lifecycle. So geolocation isn't as important and one large technology global technology firm we work with uh they they get to geography by the website people are approaching on it so that's that is one way you get to it but not through gps tracking or that sort of thing
0: right right okay good i just wanted i had that note one to make sure i i got to that at some point here you mentioned a a client that you'd work with if you don't mind if you have any examples of of You know, whether it's great successes, just examples, case study type things in general, stories, anything like that you can share with us? Yeah,
1: you bet. So, I mean, clearly, one of the reasons that site search is often neglected uh, is because the value isn't always apparent. Part of that's because of where it's owned in most large companies. You know, if you're a fairly large company, you've probably got the IT organization uh, who owns and runs site search. And there's not a lot of line of sight to the value that's created. And I know as a former IT professional, I really get that, right? It's hard to get the business people dragged in to understand the value. And so you're always struggling with this. What's the value of what we do? So, uh, and especially because in the B two B context, it's not like you're ringing the register, right? So you can't say, right. you know, I searched for Tylenol on uh, CVS.com and then I clicked it. So ah, there's the value of site search. If you find Tylenol, people can buy Tylenol, and therefore it's worth, you know, a dollar fifty of profit. So, so you you
0: have to, it, have to somehow show them the holes in the funnel that that are costing them money kind of.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's a cost component, but we do where possible try to get at the revenue and generally you can't get a transactional view. So what you're doing is you're partnering with the IT organization, with the marketing teams, with the product teams to basically do a case study, right? To, to look for a way that you can, you know, it gets basically create an experiment and run an experiment where you try to track through some of that revenue. And when we did this with one uh, Fortune 20 technology company, uh, we were able in one of these experiments, one of these case studies, to actually identify a $9 million lift in revenue over a one-year period uh, because they had basically doubled the success rate uh, on the search engine for those products. And so they were kind of their investment in making sure that the percent of traffic that might have opted out and gone back to Google stayed on their site was more effective at finding what they needed for this product set led to more sales and so that was for the it team and for the marketing teams a really powerful tool that they had uh, to be able to go back and say hey this is search is worth investing because you know nine million dollars is a very drop in the bucket from a revenue perspective but if you can prove it out for that small case there's likely a larger case to be made.
0: Right. And then when you look at, at your cost, I'm sure to that, it raises some eyebrows of, oh, maybe this is something yeah, we don't, worthwhile. Yeah, we don't
1: charge $9 million for the product. So uh, yeah, there's definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> so an they made, ROI They made there. money
0: off of that. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even cost them. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm thinking everybody has all this focus on the outside of their website. And you basically yes. have the whole world of the internet and then you create your own little experience for people. And- They spend all the time and energy on how to get people out of this, this area, this world of the internet into their world. And then not a lot of time once they're there, like not on on the search part, there's so much money and energy put into search engine optimization and keyword strings and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and then they come to the site and they act like that doesn't exist anymore because Google's not promoting it within their site. Right now I say Google's not promoting it within their site. Any, I know you guys, this is what you do, but are there any tools that you could recommend? I'm sure places like WordPress and stuff like that probably have plugins that I know they give you the search bar with some of these things. Are there any of those that are, that we you would call good or useful? What would you, what would you say to those?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, and we're actually right in the middle of a project with uh, a company right now and, uh, part of what they've asked us to do in addition to the analytics and the improvement of search, but they also recognize that their product uh, there that they're using for search doesn't work very well. And what's interesting is that when you think about implementing a new search engine uh, you know, there are kind of three flavors of products out there in the marketplace today. Uh, There are, very low end, very inexpensive, um, kind of plug-in sort of products that you could put on your website um, that uh, you know might only cost you five hundred or thousand dollars a month, and uh, and you can get going. And generally, uh, we don't recommend those products because while they are inexpensive, uh, they're inexpensive for a reason, and and the primary reason they're inexpensive is. They've got a fixed algorithm, a fixed way of delivering results onto a page. You really have no opportunity to play with the dials and the levers. And uh, those products generally don't do very well, Uh, you know, on average are fine, but, you know, there are right. places where they don't do well, places where they do do well, but but on average are, are kind of disappointing. And that's would you actually,
0: say they're probably better off just get a free plugin or jump straight to the real uh, thing where you? Have well, control. there you go. Yeah. So don't, so don't pay for something that's going to kind of half get you somewhere.
1: Yeah. So I, I we clearly advise people to stay away from the very low end of the market because especially in the B two B companies, I mean these aren't you know one million dollar mom and pop companies that we're talking about here, right? These are these are companies that generally have some complexity, they're going to need their hands on the levers. And so there's basically two other product sets that they'd go after. Uh, They could go after kind of some of the the more complex, higher-end bespoke products, uh, or they could go open source. And Mm -hmm. uh, and solar and elastic are kind of the primary uh, open source capabilities out there today. And we're actually recommending more and more that people look at the open source products. And... If you rewind five or 10 years, um, you really had to be technical to look at the open source products um, because you got to get your own server and stand up your own server and, you know, load the software and configure the software and, you know, do a lot of the heavy lifting. But because not only has the open source software itself progressed, but also now you have cloud right? So you can host these anywhere. You don't have to figure out how to configure servers. You can click on a button and get some of the open software to just appear. And a lot of the interface is now uh, very simple to use. More and more, we're actually recommending that folks look at solar or Elasticsearch, And those are generally the two that we recommend because the products have evolved. Uh, the environments in which you host them has evolved. So it's easier for you as a a marketing professional or an IT professional to manage it. Uh, But more than anything, there's no license cost, right? They, they're uh, they're free. And there's also now a pretty robust commercial ecosystem around them where there are plugins for those open source technologies so that you can get some pretty sophisticated technologies on top of them, including ours, uh, that work there. Uh, so we're actually recommending more and more that when folks are looking at search engine replacement, that they really look at the open source community or the open source uh, technologies because they really have come a long, long way—not only the technologies themselves, but the platforms for hosting them.
0: Yeah, we use uh, we use open source for our CRM here for the same um, kind of reasons that you've mentioned. There, we we like the control of being able to do what we want. There's nothing that frustrates me more than having a tool and saying, "I need to do this right here," and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's not an option." Exactly. Can we just make it an option? They're like, "No, that's um, you know, if enough people ask for it in like five years, we might be able to do that." And I'm like, "I just need this over here instead." Nope, right. Can't be done. Like, wow, it's a, you know, you want to optimize things for your specific business use. And yeah, the open source is awesome because it lets you do that. And like you said, there's no license cost. You can put yes. it on the cloud. As far as you know, you know, you pay a developer instead of paying a license fee and your cost the same, but you have all the customization you want. You can fine tune it to your specific business need. Yeah, That's great to hear that they have that for, for this stuff. Uh, again, showing my ignorance in the, uh, in the, uh, site search here, but I, I had no idea.
1: There you go. Yeah, and, and again, I think that if if folks kind of grew up in the business and uh, weren't aware that the open source had evolved so dramatically, uh, I think they might be a little shy about that, uh, much like the, you might be shy about actually typing in a search box. But, uh, yeah. but they really have come a long way.
0: And this sounds like one of those things, too, that you really need to fine-tune. Like bothering it, to have a search box and then just having it be some general – Thing that you can't fine-tune, all it's going to do is anger people like me and drive them away.
1: Yeah. And that, that fine-tuning, if you will, is really important. And there are really four ways that you fine-tune a search engine. Um, you know, The first, and again, your goal is on success, right? So how do you make sure that the right answer and answer is content, right? The right content is appearing for the right question, the question being the keyword or the keyword phrase. And there are really four things, kind of four levers that you have available to you. The first is the content itself, right? So do you have answers to the things that you're, you know, the questions that um, your people are asking, right? right. right? Yeah, I was looking
0: for something the other day and I realized, oh, it's just they don't have this information on the site. That's all it is. It's not not that I can't find it. It's not here.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes... Uh, the answer to content is it's not findable, right? So there are some in the content management system, some things you have to do to make it findable, um, you know, right? Make sure you have uh, it's indexed in the right way. Make sure that the right information is appearing in the search engine. For example, we have one client that is still struggling. They have multiple content management systems and one of their content management system still delivers horrible results in the results page because it can only, it's an ancient, content management system and it can only deliver basically one title and one text snippet for all the answers, right? So, so there is, so the content is not only the answer itself, does the, do you have the words on a page somewhere, but is that, are those words on a page also findable? And when they appear on a search results page, do they tell you the two things that are important to know, right? You know, what is it? Is it relevant to the question that I'm answering? And is there some indication of why I should click on it? So that's the content story. You really have to make sure that not only do you have the content, but it's findable by your search engine and that it can be rendered by the search engine in a way that that is important to the user. Right.
0: So the tagline for that product is the same as the tagline for, uh, for maybe something like ask Jeeves it's designed to anger. That's it. It's it's built to anger you. That's what it's
1: for. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And so the second piece, the second uh, kind of lever you have is the technology itself. That's the search platform. And we talked a little bit about that when we talked about open source platforms, but it really is, can uh does the technology itself have enough of the levers so that you can make sure that your search results are appearing so if you're using one of those low end products that i talked about earlier that really doesn't have a lot of levers but it's good enough for you great uh if you need one of the high end products that comes from one of the large vendors i won't say their names but most people know them uh you know pick pick up the fortune 20 technology companies you'll find those names somewhere there yeah. And, and they come with the services and the consulting and all that stuff that you need to run your business. OK, great. But, you know, you'll generally find that sweet spot with some of the open source. Uh, have enough of those levers so that you can you know make modifications where you have to, such as changing the weights of various uh data elements in the index to make to, to make the search results better. So the technology platform, just making sure it's good enough for you. And, and it's just really important to take a long, hard look uh, at the technology, perhaps do a pilot. We recommend A-B testing, and we can talk about that a little bit later if you'd like. But we recommend A-B testing search engines when you do a search engine migration. But just making sure it's right for you before you make the leap. So that technology platform can give your customers the best experience that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, I guess I'd say companies in the space that are looking at this kind of solution anyway are, are looking at multiple solutions. Some of the some of the things I talk to and I, I scream into the in this mic all the time is it it doesn't cost you anything extra to look at multiple options. Yeah, and it, it always drives me crazy when people are like, "Oh, yeah, we have a solution for this, and uh, so that's good," or "Oh, we found one. This will take care of it." And, and it's usually very easy with most products to go out and get multiple quotes. Um, and I, I think the people that are within your space that are really looking at this uh, this site search are the size of companies that that's probably just an in-house policy. But many right. kind of small to medium businesses, I think, they just first thing they come across that looks like it might work, they go with, and that yeah. always it dr- it drives me nuts to hear that and see it as a practice because with so many products, it's so quick and easy to reach out to multiple companies and find out what actually exists out there.
1: Yeah, you bet. And, and and that is, you know, doing that evaluation and, you know, often as a, an addendum to the product sale that we're doing is we do that sort of consulting with companies just to help them walk through that process. Because we've seen enough of these that we have, you know, a fair sense for specific use cases, what technologies make sense.
0: Right. Excellent. So I think you've been, uh, I've been around long enough. I'm sure you've been around long enough also to remember the early internet days when, never mind site search, you didn't even have search. It was right. just kind of this strange place where you could type in a string of characters and if it, you got it right, you went somewhere. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's quite a journey from no search exists at all to now search is getting down to within specific websites. Uh, it's, a whole, yeah. it's a whole world now, a whole business just for searching within a, a given site.
1: Yeah, you bet. And, you know, it's kind of interesting you mentioned kind of the good old days because uh, kind of the third lever you have is what we refer to as presentation. And it's kind of the user experience, what appears on the screen. Uh, and I was with a client uh, a couple of weeks ago and they said, oh, well, we have this problem with this this search on this specific technical database. And when it rendered, it was something like, you know. Some 1996, uh, you know, search engine experience that looked—I mean, it was very retro, but very impossible to discern.
0: Retro is not so good
1: when it comes to technology. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, there, you know, when I saw it, I kind of felt—I uh, felt like I was in—I uh, try to remember the uh, the uh, the company up in Braintree, Massachusetts, but it was in the you know kind of Boston tech uh, circle yeah. up at 128 back then. But it was there was a search engine uh, company up there who. Really had uh, it again. They, it really matched the the thing I saw the uh, two weeks ago. But yeah. but regardless, you know, presentation is that the kind of third lever, right? So it's the user experience. You can get good? the
0: right search results, but they don't look like the right search results. It doesn't do you a lot of good.
1: Yeah, you bet. And, and you're know, that technology company I was talking about. Uh, I'm sorry, that bank I was talking about earlier. Uh, the one who has the search bar right in the middle of the page and. Says search, you know they actually have one of the reasons I don't their search experience is very ineffective is because their results page, their presentation of the results is very different from what we're trained to experience. Now that's not to say that the way Google presents search results, right, a title and a bit of text to tell you what that title is about, right? It's not to say that that is the only way to go or that is uh, the only way we'll ever go, but currently that is our cognitive model, right? That is the way we think about search results. And so making sure that presentation is effective, uh, is, is using kind of the latest thinking from a user experience perspective uh, is critically important um, because if you don't have that nailed, if people basically don't know what to click on and that's the bank's problem, when they present right. their results, results it's beautiful it's a beautiful design i just have no clue what result i should click on and that's this their
0: It looks amazing but i can't read it so it doesn't yeah, exactly
1: so I'm uh you sure know.
0: it's great but it's not it's not very friendly yeah exactly so, uh, you've, you brought up that bank a couple times i feel like there's a little bit of
1: a beef there uh, <laughs> uh, there's not a beef uh they're, uh they're one of these clients that i'd love to help but they won't let me help them and it's just right. that's the frustration i just ah uh, there's, There's a beef so with how they're presenting.
0: It's the same as I have with some companies when I actually try to use their site search and they just anger me. Yeah, um, you bet. Interesting. So not just programming, getting to the right place, but then it has to be presented in a way that's, you know, it, your your UX or UI has to be proper once you get there as well in order to absorb it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you bet. And I think, again, since we're all trained by Google and we spend so much time evaluating, understanding that model of, you know, it, it is today the most effective way to deliver search results, which is just that list. I think like in a commerce uh, experience, you could get away with tiles. So those are kind of the rectangles. They might have a, a picture of the product and the price and maybe a review and a call to action, right? Put it right. in my cart. So I think in a commerce uh, experience where we don't have to really understand what we're seeing because you know, we we get what we're looking for, right? We're looking for that bottle of Tylenol or, you know, the iPad Pro or whatever it is. So you can kind of get away in a commerce experience where the product's well understood with a very different user experience. But I think where you're looking at more high consideration stuff, where I'm really trying to understand something that I'm not familiar with, you know, you, you want to make it easy, right? You don't want me to have to understand, to interpret how I should interpret the search results, right? You just I mean, want me to interpret the results.
0: It sounds like the site search is all about the user experience, basically. It's not necessarily a visual representation. It's a lot of uh, complex stuff going on in the background to make sure they have a good search experience. But then the ball gets dropped on the other end, maybe because people have a designer that creates the where where people end up when they do the search. And designers, you know, if they don't have a UX background or training of some type they want to make something that looks really cool or different and they don't you know they make a concept car and they don't make something you can drive they don't make something people know where the controls are and you really need that that ux part that the whole ux point of site search to continue with their experience once they actually land somewhere
1: Yeah, you bet. And that's, I think that's the perfect metaphor, right? The concept cars, everybody loves the concept cars. I love the concept cars. Uh, But yeah, none of us want to drive the concept cars because they are literally made of clay, right? And we need, and we need something that might, uh, might survive a crash. Um, So, so it's really, but you can never figure out how to drive it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, if you are going to do something cool, you know, that's, that's the final lever, right? Because, you could tell whether the really cool thing is working or not if you have measurements, right? If you have the right measurements that are assessing, is somebody successful? Well, you could try cool stuff. Um, and again, if you can A, B test a website, just like you can A, B test uh, you know, a marketing landing page. So if you were to tease off a few customers uh, you know, every minute into your new experience and you were to measure the success rates of one versus the other, you could know whether your cool thing is working or not. And I think what where people get into trouble with the cool thing is they just make the leap, and they don't do the experiment. They don't instrument the experiment in this way that, that is meaningful, and then they don't you know measure the results and make a business decision based upon outcomes.
0: Yeah, I've found whenever I'm making something that I think is cool, I'm really making it for myself, and that ends up being a problem. <laughs> I'm making, yeah. I want to make something cool, and I lose sight of of the end user and them wanting to use it. It's okay. It's yeah, you're making art for yourself. Then don't bother to show it to somebody else because they're not. Nobody wants to see it.
1: Yeah. No, and I've been there. And by the way, recently, I, the thing I like least about our product, um, our customers actually like most about it. So I had, you know, there was a learning point for me when <laughs> I, I was going to get rid of something and I was encouraged not to get rid of it. So, yeah. uh, yeah.
0: got to listen to the customers ultimately. Amen. Yep. Um, so can you give us a couple examples of things, simple things people can do for site search? Um, I, I again, I think this gets pretty deep in some areas, but, um, before we wrap up here, I just want to get a couple takeaways for people, maybe some tips, some things to do, some things not to do, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, you bet. So, I mean, often when we find, uh, when we start working with companies, uh, very often search success is very low. And just a quick, uh, how do we success success? Uh, success is basically made up of three measurements. Um, it's kind of a combination of three. The first is when somebody searches on something, do they see a result, right? Does the result appear? And you mentioned earlier, you know, you were the, the cat, The stuff just didn't exist on websites. So you couldn't find it because it wasn't there. So are they getting results that are relevant? And, but more importantly, is there a blank page or is, is there something on the page? Uh, the second thing is if a results appear and they are relevant, is there enough information to get somebody to click on one of those results? Right. So a click is kind of the second step in are you being successful? And then the third third piece of that step, right, that we as we measure success is did you find what you were looking for? Right. This so is the hard part. The first right? two steps
0: are actually not the back-end programming. It's really where you end up. It's saying there's already yeah. some back end programming there. They're going to end up somewhere. Just make sure wherever they end up, if it's the right thing, they can do something with it
1: right now the question of course is how do you know it's the right thing right if you go to a page and you're, you're looking at it how do how do you assess was it the right thing was it the right answer because that's really really hard to measure
0: can i take a but stab figure, at this one?
1: Oh, go ahead go okay. ahead because we're taking a stab at it too i'm really i'm
0: really proud at my uh at my google searching before we talked to, to figure out a little bit more about site search this is the one thing i came across that made sense to me and uh, they were saying if people are using the site search too much that it's a bad sign. So I would imagine if they run a search, if it takes them to a page and then they go straight back to the search over and over again, that page just wasn't the right page then.
1: That's exactly right. You bet. And and you know, there you go. Uh, now Google does measure something, Google themselves, right, internally. Google very rarely gives you insight into how their engine works, but occasionally you get peaks. And a couple of years ago, every few years, right, a white paper will appear that gives you a little bit of peak about how Google works. And they are looking at something that they refer to as long click, the time to long click. And what they're looking for is you went somebody somewhere and you stayed there and you went away, right? So you didn't come back to search. Right. And, of course, we said, okay. And, by the way, we do have measurements of that. We're beginning to do some page analytics that will begin to help us add that to the product. Um, we're currently piloting that with two customers. But, um, but, you know, you just highlighted the easy thing to measure is failure, Right, I clicked on something. Oh, that's not the right answer. I came back, and especially those very quick returns. We're all used to that. We all discover that in Google. Right, you get a result, you click on the result, and you know in five seconds, you know, yeah, this wasn't the answer. Yeah. To that
0: you scan a couple, you say, "Oops, let me refine that. Oops. Let me try a different exactly."
1: Action. There. And so those are the failures. So that's that's how we measure failure. So I just wanted to be clear, what do we think success is? And basically success is you, you search for something, you get a result, you click on something, and you go away, right? You, you, that is the answer to your question.
0: I mean, I guess uh, and- I would say when you see somebody search um, with three different, three, four different searches, because I do this every day in Google, with several yeah. different searches and variations, and then finally they hit one and they stop there. And they're on that right. page for a while. You can say, "Oh, okay. Here's what they were trying to get to. Here's what they first tried to get there. Maybe those things should be programmed in um, to be to get them to that point
1: as well." Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So now we have a shared understanding of success. Let's talk about you know some little things. I mean, one of the most uh, immediate things folks can do, and especially we see especially these clients who start start in the low twenties, the high teens from a success rate. You know, very often. Um, they have a relevancy problem, right? So their biggest problem is uh, that the right results aren't getting to the top of the page. And sometimes it just has to do with the fact that you have to go into your search engine configuration. And most of them have dashboards that are easy to use now. So it's not like the good old days when you had to write lines of code to configure your search engine, but you can actually go into some dashboard and it generally comes down to the weighting of the various variables, and, and and very often we find, it's very surprising, that the, the titles of the page might be very meaningful, right? I'm searching on, uh, you know, Tylenol, right? But the title of the page, the title of the product page, doesn't have Tylenol in it. Or if it does have Tylenol in it, it's weighted poorly. It's, it's, it doesn't have any, any weighting or very low weighting by the search engine. Right. So we often find that the lowest hanging fruit, the quick win... Uh, and we can, we do this with clients to, to be heroes, right? The quick win is, Hey, go in and change the weighting of some of the variables. Usually titles is a big one and increase its weight because usually the content management systems have pretty good titles in them. We're pretty well trained from a content management perspective these days to make sure titles are effective. And if, if you weight those a little heavier, generally you can get a, you know, a couple point bump in your success rate, right out of the box.
0: Just quick and easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it really is quick and easy. Everybody um, loves
0: getting those quick and easy fixes first.
1: You bet, and and the other quick and easy is actually on the content side. And you know, again, I, I said a moment ago that you know usually, right, that uh, those those titles are are really effective. Sometimes they're not, though. Sometimes uh, you know, folks don't do a great job of making sure that the titles are descriptive. And so one of the things we recommend is, you know, go through your top couple hundred search terms, decide what the right answer is, right? What page is the right answer to those top hundred search terms? And then you could do one of two things. You can either uh, go into the content management system and you know work on the content, right? So it's only a hundred pieces of content that you have to go right. work on really quickly to make them rank better. Or most search engines uh, allow you to curate content, which is kind of like a Google ad, right? Where it allows you to force a result to the top of the page. And we say, hey, just go in for your top hundred keywords Find the right answer on your website and then curate that right answer to the top of. You're kind
0: of your hard coding results. it, basically.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's it's a huge. I mean, so you're going to get a couple points out of changing the weighting of titles, and you're going to get a top a couple more uh, points out of curating some content.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, Stephen, thank you for coming on. I think we've got had a, had a lot here to go over. Who knew that uh, site search was. Was such a big area, and there was so much, uh, so much going on in here. Um, I had a great time talking to you. I think uh, for anybody who wants to um, learn more about you, about your company, uh, we could probably look you up on on LinkedIn with us, uh, uh, Stephen Zakur, Z A K U R. Anywhere in particular you want to send people?
1: solo segment.com. Uh, and uh, we've got an explainer video right in the front site that talks about uh, site search inspector, which is our analytics product. And you can learn more about our other products there. And of course, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I'm pretty, I'm there all the time. So you'll see our posts on site search topics and you can engage with me there directly.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Engage with uh with Steven there on, uh, on LinkedIn. You can follow him on Twitter, um, go to their, their website, solo segment. So, Uh, I guess what we found here today is that if you market and uh, site search, they will come. Um, (laughs) thanks uh, Thanks for coming on, Stephen.
1: You betcha. Thanks, Guy.